the beginning, in the beginning, Genesis 1, 1 uh, through 2, 2. So basically the first chapter and the beginning of the second chapter. Um, and I can tell you that, um, so the way that this lectionary thing works, we have a website we go to, um, and there are three or four people that will do a podcast. So they'll, they'll talk about it for maybe 10 minutes, a little sh real short podcast. Um, and then one of them typically will write a little kind of you know, sort of an outline or so, something to think about. And so oftentimes I like what they say because they'll address it or look at it in a way that I hadn't thought about. And uh, this time I read through what they had to say and I was like, yep, this is a week where I'm going to ignore them. I'm going to go off and do it my way. And, um, but it was weird. As time went on, I, I kind of kept thinking about what they said. And the more I thought about it, the more it kind of impacted me. And actually, the more it um, lined up with some things I've been thinking about uh, over the last few weeks. Um, so I changed gears and decided to go back. So, um, and today, another weird thing is I've got notes because um, I typed quite a bit yesterday while I was thinking this through. Um, so let's just dive right in. Genesis 1.1 setting the stage i call it um i'm going to read just verse one if i can find it here okay so in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth pretty simple pretty straightforward it's something that just kind of rolls off our tongue if you've been in parts connected to a church for very long um, I don't know, you, you probably just hear that and you don't think too much of it. Um, so I started digging into this a little bit, particularly on the heavens word, to try to get a grasp for what does that mean? What, why were these two things stated? Because you got to understand where the people were at at this point in time and how things were set up. You know, trying to get a grasp for what that means. And what the word, the Greek word, I'm sorry, the Hebrew word for heavens really just meant like up there um one of the translations i like the best or one of the definitions was where birds fly okay and uh, but the more you dig into it you could realize that for humans at that point in time there were really two realms there was an earthly realm that you had access to you could touch it you could do things with it and uh um, that and then there was this thing that in this case is is defined as heaven for us but it's this area where they can't go. Birds can go. Uh, they can see the sun is up there and the moon and different things like that. Um, but it's this, this other realm. Um, and, um, sorry, I want to read my notes here real quick. So for them, they didn't understand God. Okay, so, so the people back in this time frame, and by the way, this was written... It was, okay, so, so Moses was involved in this somehow. That's about 1400 B.C.-ish. Um, so the earth had been around quite a while before these words were concocted, okay? Then it was another maybe seven or 800 years before they got written down. So these words were actually only written down to where someone could actually pick up whatever it is, a piece of paper or bark or whatever it was it was written on and read it of maybe 800 years before Christ, something like that. So, um, bark, bark's okay. <laughs> they used bark, I think. Um, so anyways, 
Huh? Duct tape together. Right, really old duct tape, but nonetheless duct tape. Um, and so for people back in that time frame, um, since they didn't have a good comprehension of God or what God was the way we think about it, for them, everything was a God. Okay, so um, and, and so what really happened, so they didn't have science, so, so things just didn't make sense. So when something didn't make sense and it was out of control, it typically became known in some form of as being some form of a god. And so there was such there was a sun god, there was a moon god, there was a god for the wind, there was a god for thunderstorms. You know, there's all these different ways um, that these people looked at what what was what I would say is power. Something that's beyond them, something that seems to control their life and they can't control it back. Um, and one kind of important thing to keep in mind is that so how do you make Something that's more powerful than you and, and bigger than you. What do you do to make that thing happy? You know, so let's say all of a sudden it's storming out, or the sun is blazing and drying up all your crops. What do you do? It, it's it's beyond you. You don't have the power to make it happy. And so you finally, it's like what we what people try to do for rich people. You see this kind of thing all the time. They want to give them something. So people said, I want to I want to give something to this God. And that's what led to um, sacrifices. And so you actually, you give up part of your grain. You might kill an animal and you burn it. Because what happens when you burn smoke? It goes up. It's like a bird. It, it goes up toward these gods. And so, you know, that this is all kind of nestled together where, with where sacrifices came from and why people viewed the things the way they did. So then you look at this and you sort of put that mindset together and you realize that the very first sentence in the beginning, so this is like, how did things start? God, and it's talking about the Christian God or the Jewish God in this case, created the heavens and the earth. And so there's a statement being made right away that this thing, this heavenly area that you think is controlled by gods, there's a statement being made right here that this God created those gods. And so for us as Christians today, that just rolls off our tongue. I mean, we don't even we don't really even think twice about that. Well, like, yeah, God created heavens and earth, yeah. But for somebody 1300 BC-esque um, that's maybe never heard of God before in this format or doesn't really know anything about the Jewish people, um, this is pretty crazy. I mean, this is the kind of thing that um, would kind of shake you to the core because you're thinking, like, I thought I understood the way things work. Now you're telling me that this guy actually created these things and he's in control of all of this. So... That's the parameters. That's what Jesus is working within as he starts to set up Genesis. And so we're not going to do this today, but I would encourage you sometime uh, to just sit down. Imagine that your, your mindset is the sun is the God, the moon is a God. This kind of, that's, you know, envision that's your theology and then start reading through Genesis. And when you do, you see a whole new book because no longer is your mind all about, you know, um, you know, how was the earth formed? Was it formed through, you know, uh, just 10,000 years ago through some miraculous event? Or was it this? Or was it that? And, you know, how does um, evolution fit into all this? That never even crosses your mind because you're really thinking about uh, theology and, and, and how are things controlled in the world and what is God and what are the gods you used to think about or maybe you still think about. Um, and it just gives a whole new perspective. So it's really quite interesting. All right. Any questions there? We can be a little conversation over there. The crowd's getting bigger. 
question is, so why is heaven called heaven? You ever think about that? Why do we call heaven heaven? So based on what I just told you, why do you think we call heaven heaven? Why do we call the kingdom, sometimes you'll hear the kingdom of heaven? Any idea? Why do I just tell you heaven means in the, uh, in the Hebrew? Place where birds fly, right? So it's the kingdom of where birds fly, right? Sort of. Yeah, it really goes back to if there's this powerful God and you can't see him, where does he live? Well, he must live in the realm that you can't get to, okay? And so for people back in that time, there was kind of the earth and there was heaven. And so God must live up there. And so that's where we get this concept for heaven. Um, and it's actually... The way we think about it is, I'm confident, is not the way they would have thought about it back then. Um, come on. Uh, and how did people view the world? Kind of went through that already. Let's march on. Okay, so now, Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. This is kind of getting to the reason I, I kind of liked what these um, writers said in the lectionary. Let's just read verse, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Slide up here. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. So, and, so think back to what I just said. They see the sun as a god. Most people did back then. And all of a sudden, he says, and God says, let there be light, and there was light. So it's like, again, you're just driving this point home. So God saw that the light was good, and then he separated the light from the darkness. God saw that the light was good and so he separated it from the darkness kind of interesting so light is good so what is darkness this isn't very hard not good. <laughs> yeah there's a, there's at least kind of an overtone there that darkness is not a good thing okay Oops, sorry. Up, back up. Okay. Back up. Back up. Okay. So light is good. What? So what is darkness? Um, a couple notes I had here is that keep in mind. So you're thinking. So why would God say something like light is good? Well, keep, one thing to keep in mind is that where does light come from? Earth or heaven? We got two realms to mess with here. For the most part, they do, they do have fire. But for the most part, light came from heaven. So light is from God. So that is good. So, so there's a lot, a lot more going on here other than I like the sun. It feels good. It makes things grow. It's good. There's, it's, a, it's a more complex uh, concept going on here. But the other one here that I thought was really interesting, I think about this a lot because this is just a geeky kind of thing I think about. So if you have a flashlight and it's really, really dark in here, I can turn it on, and I can shine my light in, into the darkness, right? But do any of you guys have a dark light? I used to think about this a lot when I was a little kid. This is the kind of weird stuff that I did. But I used to think, so you should be able to have a dark, not a dark light. It would be a dark, dark 
It'd be a flash drive. That's what I mean. And you should be able to, in a light room like this, turn it on and shine a beam of darkness through the light. But, but you can't because that's not the way it works. It, it's Light and dark aren't just like um, apples and oranges. I mean, they're, and, and they're not like completely opposites because light can shine into darkness, but darkness can't shine into light. So darkness is the absence of something. Light is the, is the containment of energy, you might say. Um, so light is good. So what is darkness? Um, it, it is the absence of light coming down, and you can think in a bigger picture, it, it in some way can be thought of as the absence of God. And so this, this kind of big picture, this idea in, in uh, verse 3 that light is good, you can see that that can be carried a long, long way. So, all right. Sorry, I feel like I'm having a major uh, uh, disconnected mo morning here, but we'll work through it. Are you guys okay? Yes. Work with me. Just work with me. All right, so now we're going to go read Genesis 2-2, and I'm calling this Saturday, okay? Um, why don't I call it Saturday, just to see if you guys are thinking. Nothing to do? the part about the Sabbath, the Shabbat. Okay. Let's just slide over there. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. So it's the day of rest. It's kind of funny. Um, we just don't call it Saturday very often, you know? I don't know why we don't, but we don't. Um, didn't you guys grow up in a church that did a, a Sunday Sabbath deal where if you worked on Sunday, you were a bad person? In the South, that is absolutely a known fact. So, so yeah, common there? You, yeah. I just learned it was a command not to work on Sunday. I mean, yeah. Not. We never told you that was wrong. <laughs> 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 I was really rude. Sorry. <laughs> there, there is some good reasons behind that. Uh, because uh, in, in modern Christianity, the Sabbath, Sundays have become a Sabbath for a lot of people. So it's like we sort of slid that Sabbath, which was a Saturday, we slid it on the Sunday and sort of imposed some of the good things about Sabbath, such as rest, um, but we did it on the day of resurrection, which is actually the first day of the week, not the last day of the week. So, so that's sort of a little history lesson there, if you didn't know that. Um, did you say you also knew something about not working on Sunday? Yeah, the, my church was. Yeah. I mean, I remember my father one day, we were going down the road, and one of the guys that goes to our church was out mowing his yard, and we drove on a Sunday as we drove by. And it kind of bothered my dad. He was like, Man, he's like, I think maybe his tractor will break or something, you know, like, because my dad kind of had a little, it was fairly common that the, the group, church I grew up in, there was some, some mindsets of that was the way God, you know, like if something really bad happened to you, you know, that they would kind of think, oh, that's God's, God's wrath on you kind of a thing. And so my dad sort of thought about that uh, fairly, fairly frequently. So. It was interesting growing up, though, being the grandchild of dairy farmers, like there's no day that you can you right. have to milk the cows multiple times a day or the cows they don't cows do very well. Because, <laughs> because they are bred to yep. give, let oh, down milk multiple oh, times a day. So you have to at least milk the cows. But they didn't do any of the other farming, any of the work on the land on Sunday. Just milking the cows. I remember 
when you you said that story at one point we were I think we were still even the first Christian I heard you say that about you know your dad and the guy mowing the lawn and when we switched we started the living room we were meeting in the evenings a number of times Steve and I were out like doing some yard work yeah. and church let out at first Christian which was walks down the street from right. us and as church let out and all these cars started passing I kept feeling more like a heathen by the yeah. minute <laughs> <laughs> church and we are outside. You had massive guilt, was, as you should. Oh, my God. It's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> so, Genesis 2-2, Saturday. Saturday, 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 Saturday. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about what they talked about in the lectionary, and it was kind of interesting. I mean, really, the more I thought about it, the more it kind of grew on me. So, when we talk about the Sabbath, what's the first thing you think of when you hear Sabbath? Church. Church? Rest. Church. I think it, it, it's a, it, first of all, it's a Christian word. We only are a Jewish word, but um, but we only maybe um, we we only use it in reference to religion. Normally, it's not like I would say at work, like gentlemen, today we're going to have a Sabbath from doing you know whatever whatever acronym I'm working on that day. Um, no, we just don't. We don't. It's, it's from spreadsheets, yeah. Um, so we don't use that word. It's, it's a very churchy word, and the word that comes to mind is rest. But what they said in the lecture, which I thought was interesting, they said, when God rested on that seventh day, very much like, Jim, were you talking about, who was talking about milking? Me. Yeah, I thought yeah. you, okay. Um, very much like that, they were saying, trees kept growing, sun kept shining, wind kept blowing, the, the world didn't stop. God was resting, but the world keeps going, and to some degree, we keep going. In fact, most people, at least, even people that take the Sabbath real seriously, will still eat something that day. That takes a little bit of work. So there's things that go on. Um, they point out that creation takes time, and they said, you really need to think about, um, a lot of Christians tend to think about creation as this poof, this thing that happened, you know, and it's like, yeah, you line it up over seven days, but pretty much it was poof the way it happened. Okay, that's fine. Um, but they said there's a very intentional history behind the seven days because they they believe that God was setting this up as a time frame, trying to show us that being a creative thing, and we are our creative things, so we're made like God, um, that creation is something that takes time. And one of the important things is Sabbath is not the end. Sabbath is just another day. Because God created for seven days, or for six days, he rested on the Sabbath, he took a Sabbath, and then day eight was just after that. And so it's important for us to think about this idea that when God is resting, when things like that are happening, um, it, it is for a period of time. Creation is for a period of time. I wrote down here... Um, for example, Jesus didn't come on the scene for thousands of years. Was Jesus part of the creation? Well, he's not a part of the Genesis creation, but he's certainly a part of God's activity. God is changing and adjusting. And like I said, it took a couple thousand, well, took thousands of years to get Jesus to the point that he was on the cross. And that was bringing people along. So there was definitely a creative aspect, at least in my opinion, um, of that. Um, and just the point that God uh, creates alongside us. So once we're on the scene, 
creation is not just God's job. It's also our job. We've got things that we can do. We've got things we can fix. We've got things that we can change. It's this ongoing thing. Um, so on the seventh day, I'll put it on here. So creation takes time, and it's ongoing, and we can help. Okay? Next one is, so what happened on Saturday? We've got God rested. Okay? What else happened on that Saturday? That's the first thing that pops. What else happened? Can you think of anything else that happened? It's hard, aren't I? Mm -hmm. oh, I just think life, like, you know, creatures scurried about and gathered exactly. food and they, they mated and they found shelter and all these exactly. things. Exactly. God made them, and on Saturday, it's happening. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, in fact, um, what they talked about in the lectionary, and this is the thing I didn't like when, when I first read it, but the more I thought about it, the more I liked it. They said, that is the point where God pulled back. Okay. Like, oh, what does that mean? And they said, God creates, but he doesn't control. And one of the points of the Sabbath is that there is a point to pull back. Because the world, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of the world, the world goes on. And the world will continue to do its thing. And God is not going to control it. He's going to give us the freedom to do um, things as we want. I said, this is like parents who... Um, lovingly let their children make mistakes um and with jill and i that's hard um i'm kind of i'm kind of like let them blunder and break an arm and jill's like they can't break an arm you gotta you know you know we, we tend to not agree on these things i'm like yeah let them burn their head on the stove it won't be a bad scar and jill's like you can't let them be scarred you know and uh you know we're kind of wired that way but it, that pulling back is very very hard um but i think we need to keep in mind that again the sabbath was it time-constrained? Oh, yeah. God's pulling back isn't a pullback forever. Okay. There will be times he'll pull back, but it won't be forever. Um, so I want to talk about a dark day. Um, I think I've got this on here. Make sure. Yeah. So what was the darkest 24 hours in history? Particularly if you're a Christian. Continuous 24 hours. What's the darkest 24 hours? And in this case, I don't mean absence of sun. I mean darkness, as in lack of heaven, lack of God. What do you guys think is the darkest 24 hours in history? This is, this is an opinion, but this is what I think. But I think we might be able to come to agreement. When Christ was in the tomb. Excuse me? When Christ was in the tomb. Yeah, when Christ was in the tomb. What day of the week was that on? What? The Sabbath. It was the Sabbath, right? Okay. How many of us think about the day, that, that period of time from Friday evening until Sunday morning, which was primarily the Sabbath. The Sabbath is from 6 in the evening until 6 in the evening Saturday? Well, sundown sun, Friday to sundown, sundown Saturday. Yeah, so, so somewhere around there, depending on whether you're on daylight savings or not. Um, <laughs> so... I see that as the darkest 24 hours in history. And how many of us, when we think about that period of time, we think about resting? Like, we don't think about that, do we? That was a dark day. Do you think in any way that day could have been a representation of pulling back? Of God pulling back? 
Yeah, it's, it's a debatable issue. It's a debatable topic. But for me, there's absolutely no doubt God could have easily kept Christ out of that tomb. No doubt about it. It could have happened. But he pulled back and went, just like I would let my kid burn their hand in the oven. He pulled back. He pulled back. Okay. Um, my notes here. So yeah, so that particular Saturday was full of hurt. It was full of love and hurt and caring and sadness. It was all there on that day. Watching Jesus lay in the tomb was hard for everyone, including God. But we can't forget that Sunday was coming. Part of being a human... Sorry, I've written this all down, so you're just getting, you're getting a regurgitation of what I wrote. Um, part of being a human is that the kingdom of earth... Okay? We've got a separation between heaven and earth. We've got light, which is good, and darkness, which is arguably not good. Part of being a human is that the kingdom of earth is created by God, but allowed to be separate. It doesn't have to be separate, but it's allowed. Jesus experienced the separation, and we are bonded to him through his crucifixion each time we experience the separation. I think that's really, really important for us to keep in mind that these dark times, anybody have dark times? Okay, I won't ask you if you're in one now, but I know some of you are. We're almost always in a small darkness. There's almost always something that we're not really too thrilled about, right? But sometimes it's really, really dark. Um, and it's like I think we can forget that bonding between us and Christ during those times. So Saturdays and darkness. <clears throat> to me, when I talk about darkness, and now I'm talking about it in a very different way, I'm meaning things which are not the way God wants them. Okay, and I, and I kind of break these into three different categories. So if we think about Saturdays and the potential connection to darkness, and I'm saying that because of Christ being in the tomb on that day, and then arguably because that day of rest was also a day where God stepped back and he, it's a, it's a symbol uh, potentially that the earth was allowed to do its own thing, which could be darkness, could be ungodlike. But I see it as being in three different uh, ways. Uh, so, so darkness is things which are not what God wants. The first one is there are things that we intentionally do. We call that sin, right? And oftentimes, that's the one we jump to. Like we say, well, things that are not of God, that's sin, right? It's more complicated than that. So there's this one, things which we intentionally do, things that we can control, but we do things that God doesn't want us to do. That's one form of darkness. The second one, and I think this is important to break this out separately, there are things that others intentionally do to us. It's still sin, but it's not our sin. Okay. I don't like those two being grouped together as just generic sin because the darkness that, because I'm talking very personal here, the darkness you feel in your life can happen because you do goofball things. They can also happen because others do goofball things. And that's the ones that we, I think we really, really, number two, we look at that a lot because that's the one that hurts. It's the one that's out of our control. And yet we know that someone could have fixed it. It was within someone's control. But then this third one, it's what I call worldly, unintentional darkness. Let me give you some examples. Sickness. Shirley, with your sickness, uh, 
Did any individual person do this to you? No, right. Now you can argue. Sometimes people, I say my, my father at one point, he actually wouldn't say this now, but at one point he might have tried to lump that into maybe you did something and you're being persecuted for that. Um, I pretty much don't buy into that theology, but some people are there. But for the most part, it's something that you didn't have control of, worldly unintentional darkness. There's natural catastrophes that cause an enormous amount of pain. Where One is happening right now. I haven't heard the latest, but I know that Florida is getting bashed right now. There are accidents, uh, and oftentimes we think of car accidents. We can think of any kind of a, a mistake that someone makes. Uh, it can even be something where somebody says something that they didn't mean to say and can really, really hurt your feelings. Um, and along with that, misunderstandings. How often have misunderstandings been hurtful? I think uh, in marriages, for Jill and I, misunderstandings are, are, can oftentimes be the most painful. There have been multiple times that I've said something and Jill's looked at me and I've seen a tear start roll down her face and I'm like, what did I just do? Like I had absolutely no idea I said something that would hurt her feelings and yet I completely destroyed her. Um, sorry about that. Um, all right. So that's three different kinds of darkness. And some of you guys remember back in 2015, Jill and I had what we would consider, I would consider the darkest year of our life. Um, we had a, just a real quick rundown. Uh, Jill had a stepbrother with appendix cancer, a cousin with kidney cancer. Her mom had breast cancer the second time. I had a double mastectomy. We found out that my mom uh, had a uh, genetic dementia. Um, Jill's sister-in-law turned out she was having a multi-year affair we didn't know about, and she left her brother the same week that his that he that they became empty nesters. So he went from a wife and their second child living with him to being by himself. A um, really dark time. Um, Jill's stepdad was having all kinds of continued effects from prostate cancer surgery. Savannah had her appendix removal. Some of you guys were uh, her appendix removed. Some of you remember that. A very very dark year. But tomorrow night, and I'm going to wrap this up in just three minutes here, so I'm going to wrap up quickly. Um, do we have communion, by the way? Okay, I'll go real fast. So tomorrow night, I've been asked, uh, Brandon Andrus has a house church that the Garns attend. And so a lot of you guys know the Garns uh, lost their son earlier this year in an accident. And they've been having different people come in. And so I'm not still exactly sure what I'm going to do, but I'm going to talk a little bit about what I'm talking about today, because I think it fits pretty well about the darkness in your life. Um, and reminding them that Sunday's coming, you know, Sunday's coming. It's the kind of thing that they probably know. Uh, I'll probably just be saying things that they've already said again, heard once, um, but I'm hoping uh, that we can, uh, we can draw some peace for them. So that's my last kind of wrap up here. Sunday's coming. Um, the crucifixion is not good because of the resurrection. I think this is so important. We don't celebrate the crucifixion because the resurrection happened. We don't say the crucifixion was a good thing because of the resurrection. Some people say that, but I think we shouldn't. I think we should say this. We should say, but the resurrection is a great thing that happened because of the crucifixion. When you're having these dark times in your life, People will say this to you. All things happen for a reason. And, and I will tell you what, for me, that equals hogwash. Okay. I don't like that phrase at all because maybe there's situations where there's some truth to that. But for me, for the most part, it sends a message that the crucifixion's great because the resurrection happened. And I think that's not the way we should think about life. But we should think about life because a crucifixion happened, some great things can come out of that. 
So for the Garns family, their son Abbott uh, got killed in a terrible accident. Um, that's that's never a good thing, you know. This isn't all things happen for a reason. Oh, that happened for a reason. Something good is going to come out. That, that no, no, it was terrible. It was a dark thing. It's a dark accident that happened in the world, and there's nothing good about it at all. But that doesn't mean that Sunday's not coming. And that's so hard, I think, to grasp. And for them, this will be a multi-year thing to go through. Um, but Sunday is coming. So let me pray, and I'll break the bread, and you can come up and have communion, and then you can go up and get your kids. So let's pray. God, we come to you now in preparation for communion. And um, God, we ask that uh, you'll help us to never forget how beautiful the resurrection was and to never forget on those dark days that 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 sabbath when jesus was in the cross was in the tomb i mean was a uh, was a really really dark day for you and that we can be bonded with you and be bonded to christ through that darkness and help us to not try to in some way attribute that darkness to you and say in some way that you're doing these things because of something else help us to realize the darkness is darkness it's the world it's the separation of light from darkness and uh and it's not something you enjoy it's something that you are uh, you're pained with us and we ask that you will walk alongside us and that we'll walk alongside you as we uh we deal with these issues in our lives and uh as we take this communion that uh, we'll never forget uh, that you're always there and sunday's always coming it's through christ we pray amen